You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Hi everyone, my name is Liz Eggleston and I run Course Report. Thanks for joining. Today we are talking about the current state of the GI Bill in coding boot camps. And I have an awesome panel here today and I want to start by introducing y'all to them. First, we are joined by Maggie Molina. Maggie, do you want to tell us a little bit about your work with Operation Code? Sure. I am Maggie Molina. I work with Operation Code. It's a national nonprofit that helps veterans get into the technology industry, and I help both veterans and code schools navigate the GI Bill. So Maggie will be able to shed some light on the GI Bill itself. And next is Erin Frazier. Erin, what's your experience with the GI Bill? My name is Erin Frazier. I am Director of Operations at the Software Guild. We're a full-stack coding boot camp, and we were just approved by the VA to accept GI Bill benefits. Cool. I cannot wait to hear about that process. And finally, Eric Dowdy is joining us from Denver to add his experience as a coding boot camp graduate. Eric, what are you up to now? Yeah, my name is Eric Dowdy. I'm a software developer with the American Thrombosis and Hemostasis Network. Uh, I was an eight-year Air Force veteran prior to that. Uh, Then I went to the Turing Software School and uh, started my developer journey where I am now. Well, Maggie, Aaron, and Eric, thank you so much for being here. And for those of you who are listening, I want to rewind a little bit so that we're all on the same page. The first time that I saw a collaboration between coding boot camps and government was actually in this roundtable in September of 2014. It was hosted by the White House Department of Veterans Affairs, and they invited a few coding boot camps at the time, Hack Reactor, Flatiron School, WinCode were all there, uh, to talk about how accelerated learning programs could be leveraged to find jobs for veterans. I don't know if there was a ton of talk about the GI Bill specifically in that roundtable, but it was clear that the use of the GI Bill for boot camp tuition was on the minds of both educators and government. And the first coding boot camp to actually get approved for the GI Bill was Skill Distillery in Colorado around July 2015. And then other schools in Colorado and all around the U.S. followed suit. Uh, they also went through this pretty grueling approving <laughs> approval process after that, but Recently, in August of 2017, the Harry W. Comary Veterans Educational Assistance Act was signed, uh, aka the Forever GI Bill, and that's why we're here today. So, Maggie, let's dive into the GI Bill for those who are unfamiliar. Uh, Could you explain what it is? Sure. The GI Bill started in 1944 after World War II, and it was originally called the Bill of Rights for GI Joe and GI Jane. That was shortened over time to the GI Bill, and it had three major benefits. There were more than 15 million veterans that uh, demobilized after World War II, and the GI Bill provided, one, an education benefit, two, unemployment, and then three, loans to either buy a home or a business. And since the GI Bill started in 1944, it has changed considerably. Normally, there's modifications after every conflict. Um, And after 9-11, in about 2009, the post-9-11 GI Bill went into effect. And the post-9-11 GI Bill actually 
paid not only for tuition, but it provided a housing stipend so folks could go to school. So I served in the Air Force from 94 to 98, and I used what was called the Montgomery GI Bill. The Montgomery GI Bill only paid a flat rate um, per month, but it didn't provide any kind of housing allowance. The newest bill that's happened, the Forever GI Bill, it provides there's something like 31 benefits, um, 31 changes that take effect over a two-year period, and it provides additional funding for STEM. It provides a pilot program for code schools to get additional funding, and it's the GI Bill is really hard to navigate, not only for code schools getting approved, but for veterans who want to use their benefits. Yeah, it sounds like the GI Bill covers so many aspects of a service member's transition back into civilian life. But if we focus just on education, Maggie, traditionally, which education opportunities had been available to veterans when they exited the military? And could you kind of talk about how the GI Bill has now expanded into boot camps? So the GI Bill has always paid for, let's call it traditional education, whether that's community college or universities. But the GI Bill has also paid for vocational education, whether that's um, an apprenticeship with one of the trade unions, it covers police academies, it covers beauty schools, it covers commercial truck driving schools. So vocational education isn't new to the GI Bill, but coding schools, because it's a new industry, and they're unfamiliar with how to write, how to navigate the regulations. Um, coding schools are kind of a, their own unique creature, and so that's something new not only for veterans but for the all the regulatory agencies that have to oversee the GI Bill. Thanks so much for that overview, Maggie. It's really helpful. Um, to be clear. The forever GI Bill affects veterans based on when they were discharged, right? So like if you were discharged after January 1st, 2013, then the changes in the forever GI Bill will affect you. Is that right? Mostly, yes. So again, there are like 31 different provisions in the forever GI Bill and getting into the weeds on that can be kind of confusing. But the main thing that the Forever GI Bill does and why it's called the Forever GI Bill is there used to be a 15-year limit on using your benefits, and now you get it forever. So once you've served and you've served the required amount of time to essentially activate the GI Bill and be entitled to it, you get to use it for the rest of your life. Okay, thanks for explaining. Those those all sound like reasonable changes. Uh, Eric, what led you from the military to a coding boot camp? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was actually an engineer in the Air Force for eight years. I did a mix of like software and hardware projects. And um, towards the end of my time, I got to lead a, a very agile team, which is uncommon for like you know federal projects because they're usually fairly large and slow moving. Anyway, it was it was very uh, rewarding experience, and I wanted more of that. But that wasn't going to happen in the military. The the odds of running across those sort of jobs are, like I said, very rare. Um, so the end of 2014, uh, I got out of the military and a friend of mine had just completed Turing, a friend of mine in Denver. And he brought me down, introduced me to Jeff Casimir and the crew down there uh, at Turing. Well, Eric, just from stalking you on LinkedIn, I noticed that you actually taught computer science in the Air Force. Why did you feel like you needed to go to a coding boot camp if you already had that background in CS? Um, what were you? What did you feel like you were missing? Right. So, yeah, very, very, very good question. Uh, and I was actually just talking with um, one of my lead developers about this today. Uh, so, so it's interesting. I think CS degrees are incredibly valuable. Uh, I have one myself, 
and, and like I said, I, I was teaching as well. However, it doesn't those don't necessarily prepare you with like the industry best practices or you know the the most current tech stacks that are being used out in industry. Um, so uh, I chose the Turing School because the the feedback they were getting was really wonderful, along with a lot of the other coding schools that were going on, but uh, primarily because it was teaching like the latest technologies that were being used in the industry, the best practices. It was kind of like a primer to, to give me the knowledge base to step into a company and be ready to code. And Eric, when you went to Turing, they actually were not yet approved for the GI Bill. Is that right? No, unfortunately, no. And I had looked into it when I had first applied and uh, in talks with them, they said, well, we're working on it. It's not going to happen right away. But, you know, for me, that it was more worth it to, to, you know, start my journey on, you know, kind of a career switch uh, sooner rather than waiting for the benefit. That, that being said, uh, I'm really happy that it's approved now for veterans. It kind of eases that, that transition from military to civilian life uh, in a huge way. Yeah. So it's uh, really great that they're doing it now. But if Turing had been accepted to use the GI Bill, would you have used it? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Without question. Well, okay. So Aaron, speaking of getting approved for the GI Bill, uh, you just finished the GI Bill application for Software Guild. So yes. congratulations, first of all. Thanks. Really high level. Could you explain the process from your end as a school? Absolutely. So I think it's important to note that if you have multiple locations like we do, you actually have to apply in every state that you're in. So I'm somewhat in the middle of the process because we have been approved in Kentucky and we're working on our Minnesota approval right now. So we're very excited to hopefully be offering at both of our locations soon. Um, the first thing that we really had to go into tackle is just getting the most up-to-date application. Um, there's a little bit of ambiguity about that online. So it's really good to reach out to the VA office and just make sure that, you know, you're starting with the right application. Um, pulling together all of the documentation w was huge. Um, once we had all that together, they have a really robust checklist that you need to go through. Um, once we submitted it, you know, giving any additional information and then once your packet looks really good and then you have to schedule a tour, they want to come out and make sure that you're not you know, just five computers set up in somebody's garage somewhere. So they came out and saw our location and spoke with us. And once all that was done, um, they send it to a secondary office and you get your facility code. And then once you have that, you're able to schedule your training where they come in and they teach you about using their online system, which is a about 20 years old. It's a little crazy how, how old and antiquated the system is. I know Maggie knows what I'm talking about, um, but it was great. Uh, the training was fantastic. And you have specific uh, certifying officers at your school that they're going to be the only ones that are using that system because of all the sensitive information in there. And you get them all trained up and you're told what you're allowed to say in the marketing and then you can go out to market with it. Um, how long did that process take you from start to actually being able to accept students? 
Um, I would say it probably took us a solid month to get all of the paperwork together. Um, there's some really in-depth financials, insurance things that you have to get together. Um, you have to customize your catalog. Um, so there's certain aspects that they are laid out by the VA, um, refund policy, um, attendance, things like that, that you absolutely have to follow their policy regardless of what your existing policy was. Um, so it was about a month to get all the paperwork together. Um, and then probably another month before we had our full approval. So the tour happened in that time. We kicked back any additional paperwork they needed. And then once the tour happened, we got our facility code within two weeks and we were able to schedule training for two weeks after. So about three months. Okay. That sounds intense and uh, time intensive at least. Uh, and like a lot of effort. Why was it important as a school to go through that process and to devote three months of resources to getting approved for the GI Bill? You know, we're always looking for ways that we can better serve our communities. Um, coding boot camps are expensive, but we look at the outcomes, we look at our students, we look at what they're making before they enter the program versus after, and we absolutely know that these programs change lives, but not everyone can afford to take that leap or wants to go, you know, the lender route or anything like that. And we really found ourselves serving so many veterans in our Louisville location, especially in Minneapolis as well, but more so in Louisville. And it seemed like a no-brainer that we should, you know, put in the effort. Uh, you know, we're, we're approved, we're accredited in every state that we're in. We're used to these regulating bodies. Uh, we know it's a lot of work and a lot of effort, but it's absolutely worth it in, in the end, um, as long as you can get all your ducks in a row like that. But, um, you know, just we were able to help all of our future veterans and, you know, it goes back retroactively a year, which is going to benefit, you know, half a dozen of our recent graduates. So we're, we're just really excited and it, it seemed like a really good next step for us. Um, Maggie, is that process something that Operation Code would help with? Do y'all like typically work with schools to get them through that seemingly pretty laborious uh, approval process? Um, yes, we, we absolutely can work with uh, schools. And even if it's just an initial phone call to sort of lay out the process and the big picture and the purpose of doing this. Um, I know it seems very intense. And actually, I think Erin, to her credit, three months is actually really fast. Um, I know some code schools have taken nine months. And as Erin noted, the process is different because essentially the VA delegates the approval process to to a person in every state. So you essentially have 50 different state processes. And actually, I've been looking at that and considering that a lot. I think that could be streamlined. Um, so instead of having to adjust your catalog, if there was just an addendum that you could add onto it that provided for all the GI Bill information. And now that we're up to, I think there's 21 code schools in 15 different states. I think there's a critical mass of information and best practices where this could be streamlined even further to make it easier for more code schools to accept the GI Bill. Maggie, you did that for Code Fellows, didn't you? 
So Code Fellows was the first code school in the state of Washington to accept the GI Bill, and I was in contact with them while their application was in the pipeline and started with them a couple weeks before they actually got approval from the VA. So I really built the program from the ground up, and I think Code Fellows was um, forward thinking in thinking about how to serve the veterans in the local area and did an excellent job with integrating veterans and military ethics into their entire process. So that went from starting up to recruiting, to dealing with all the questions with admissions and incoming veterans, to dealing with all the VA certifications. Um, it really was building the program from soup to nuts. Well, hearing about the process that Aaron just described for Software Guild, would you say that it's gotten more streamlined since those first boot camps started working with the VA, Maggie? I think the code schools that were the early adopters, Skill Distillery, Code Fellows, they deserve a lot of credit for being the people that sort of knocked down those doors. And I think um, what I, the trend I'm starting to see is actually a quicker approval in some states. I know... Uh, Aaron's experience and Code Platoon in Chicago both had an approval process that was between one and three months. Uh, Code Fellows um, hung in there for nine months until they actually got their approval. And I think um, once you have just a handful of code schools and you don't have a lot of folks at code schools don't have a lot of familiarity with the military and the GI Bill. And I think now that we're up to about 21 schools in the nation, it's no longer um, so strange and so odd. And I think more and more code schools will tackle the approval process. And Aaron, one thing that I noticed in, when I was reading about the new Forever GI Bill is that there is assistance, almost like this kind of refund of GI Bill benefits for students who use their benefits for ITT tech, which as we all know, closed in 2016. And that made me wonder about quality assurance in the approval process for schools. And what you just kind of described in that process, it sounds like there's a lot of quality assurance. Um, but did you feel like that was something that the VA was looking for when they were kind of assessing uh, software guilds and kind of just making sure that software guild isn't like a fly by the night school? Yeah, I mean, it, it, ITT Tech is an interesting um, situation, I think, because if you were to look at it from all the boxes that the VA uh, seems to want to check, they check all of them. Um, you know, you, you need to be in operation for at least two years um, in your physical location, and you need to, they need to come out and do that tour and make sure that you are a legitimate school. And you know, looking at ITT Tech's locations and, you know, how long they've been around, they would have checked those two major quality assurance points. Um, but the the placements and the stats there, I think, are what we're really suffering. And while the VA does seem to be really focused, um, they want to make sure that you are doing everything right by the veteran. They're not as focused on what's happening after the cohort as they are what's going on inside the school. So um, I think there's always been a, pro a problem with for-profit schools in the GI Bill back to the beginning of the GI Bill in 1944. And I don't think those bad actors like ITT Tech and University of Phoenix, I wouldn't put them in the same category as code schools. Code schools have to operate in the technology market. If they don't have job placement, 
Um, it's just not going to work and people aren't going to spend their money there. And it's still a small enough market and there's good word of mouth that you can figure out who the good actors are. And so I'm not as concerned with um, the code schools and the use of the GI Bill as I was with, say, a four-year for-profit university using all of a veteran's GI Bill money and them not getting anything out of it. If code schools don't deliver on job placement, it's going to be pretty obvious versus there's no judging of job placement when you have a four-year university or a community college. Hmm. Yeah, that in-person tour part of the process seems huge, but then also guaranteeing that or ensuring that the school is actually outcomes-based, right? That's so cool. I feel like I've learned so much in the last like 30 minutes just about the logistics behind the GI Bill in coding boot camps. But if we kind of step back for a second and think about like, why are we doing this, right? Like, why does a coding boot camp make sense for a military veteran? Aaron and Maggie, I would love to get kind of your perspective and working with students who come from a military background, like what stands out about them and where's that overlap? We at the Software Guild, we've had really, really good luck with um, our veteran students in the past, um, even before being approved for the GI Bill. You know, they're they're very up to the challenge. It we we don't use the term boot camp lightly. It's very, very intensive. Um, we've seen a lot of kind of stress-induced panic in some students that weren't necessarily prepared for it, but our veterans seem incredibly ready and you know they just hunker down they they research they know what they're getting in for and they they see the end goal and they just know they're going to go for it and they're they're really great about understanding that you know when we tell you you're gonna have to you know do certain things at home you're gonna have to put in even more outside of class than you are in class or sometimes things like that um, they're very ready to embrace that and that's been helpful What's interesting, and I was thinking about this earlier, um, in the military, you're constantly put in, in these positions where you're you're put on diverse teams to like accomplish a goal. I know it sounds maybe a little contrived, but when when you come into software development, especially in the the kind of paradigms that the the boot camps are teaching, which is like <clears throat> you know generally agile development, small team type stuff. Uh, even if you're in a large company, you generally end up on like a small scrum team. So you're in this small, tight-knit, diverse team, and you're going towards like accomplishing a goal, like pushing out a piece of software. And it's difficult and stressful, and you've got to work well with these people that, uh, you know, it's a very diverse group of people. Um, so it's, it's actually interesting that it's kind of a similar environment to the military. Obviously, you know, uh, there's, if you were like, a, if you were a combat person, it's not that sort of uh, stress, right. right? You're not having the combat type stuff, but you're having, you know, it's still kind of that same mindset of like, hey, we all got to work together to get this thing done. So I think it can be a, a great career for a military veteran if, if that's what they enjoyed, you know, they enjoyed that aspect of the military. Yeah, a coding boot camp makes a lot of sense for veterans because we all go through very intensive training camps uh, as it is. Just the name coding boot camp sort of has images of the military. So I was a radar technician in the Air Force. I went to basic training for six weeks. And then my technical training was eight months. And that was from six in the morning to two in the afternoon. And when I talked to a lot of veterans who were considering applying at Code Fellows, 
and I would talk to them about the intensity of the code school. Um, that intensity is nothing new. We go through a very intense experience, whether that's basic training or technical training or deploying, and we work in a team and we have a mission to get done. And so veterans take to coding boot camps, and I think for a lot of folks that I talk to that are getting out of the military, a coding boot camp fits a lot better than a traditional university. And I think a coding boot camp, using your GI Bill for that, and transitioning into the workforce, and then using the remaining of your GI Bill later on to pursue a computer science degree or something more intense, it's just a natural fit for our military training, our ethics, and our sense of teamwork. Y'all have all pointed out traits that I hear all the time from other alumni and employers who have hired veterans, um, you know, collaboration, teamwork. Uh, Eric, your point about working on a diverse team is so, so smart. Good developers have to be great at working with people who aren't like them. So that is so fitting. I love that you brought that up. On top of those overlapping soft skills, it also seems like there have to be military veterans who have valuable things like security clearance or, or even other more tangible benefits. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's several like tangible and, and intangible kind of benefits that you, you can get from uh, a veteran who goes through a boot camp and then goes on to work in the industry. And um, one of those you know very tangible things is if it's a company that does work with the military um, or the government in general, you know, governments and military can be kind of a black box. There's a lot going on in, in there. And just having the understanding of how kind of the federal government works um, can really help when you're integrating with uh, a government team to, to build something new. Also, if it, if it is something that requires a security clearance, uh, that's obviously a huge benefit um, going in. Uh, I think one of the intangible things uh, that you get with military uh, folks is is this idea of of grit, right? And it's really interesting in, in the military. You, you can't quit. There's no there's no quitting. Like you're given you're given a job, and it's like you're you gotta make it work. It's gotta happen. There's no well, I didn't feel like it, you know, or or this person said that or did this. And obviously, we want healthy working environments, but um, when things get tough, you, you can pretty much count on that 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 veteran's gonna have. Uh, a level of grit that's going to help them push through the hard problems. Cause you, you encounter that a lot in software, right? Where it's just like really difficult challenges, maybe working with other groups or the code's difficult or the technical challenge is really hard or, you know, million things, but, but they're going to tough it out. Uh, and I, I can trust that when I'm going to hire um, somebody who, who has some military service. You know, Eric, I have to agree with you. That's exactly what I was trying to convey, the, the concept of grit. Um, we absolutely see that in, in the vast majority of our veterans. And on the placement side of things, um, if someone does have that military clearance, they are generally scooped up before they even graduate. That's how desired they are. So it, it's something where in, in this field, um, it's incredibly valuable. And if an employer has to take a civilian and walk them through a security clearance, that can actually cost a company hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's a lot of folks, whether you're deploying or whatever your job was, I had a secret clearance when I was in the service. When you get out, your security clearance is still active. I think it stays in effect for two years after you get out. And once you've had a clearance, it's much easier to activate. 
So I know we had a lot of veterans who went through Code Fellows and then they moved over to Amazon. We had a couple of folks who were doing apprenticeships for a year at Amazon. And the fact that they had a secret security clearance made them a more attractive candidate for Amazon, but it also resulted in a boost in their starting wage. Amazing. So I think, you know, one thing that I hear a lot about coding boot camps in general is that it's kind of this like fast track into tech, fast track to the middle class, that it's some kind of like solution, right? Does it, do you think that a coding boot camp works for every veteran who's transitioning into, uh, you know, a civilian career? So, you know, I definitely think that the initial aptitude helps a lot. And we, we do say not Every single person can be plucked from anywhere and be made a developer. But I mean, we have seen such a diverse uh, background uh, be successful as a developer and, you know, musicians to, like you said, yoga instructors to military to someone fresh out of high school. It's absolutely crazy. Um, But because development is something that you have to, you know, continue to push yourself, continue to learn and continue to study to keep yourself on top of the industry, you, you have to have that passion because if you are just looking for something to quote unquote, make a lot of money, um, you're not going to be in it long enough to hit that point. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll just, uh, to, to your point, I think it's an incredible um, just like where talent can come from. Uh, one of the things I love so much about the industry, and especially I think one of the huge benefits with like the birth of like the, the idea of the boot camp is that it, it does make, you know, uh, tech, accessible now to like a larger group, uh, right? Because it's hard, right? It is hard to make a career switch. And facing down four to six years of education versus seven months is that's a huge difference. And um, I think opening up is great, right? Uh, to, to, to more veterans, to people from all areas of society, because uh, I'm telling you, when you have a diverse team, it in fact, I was at a conference today and they were just saying, what's great about a diverse team is you you get rid of the blind spots, right? When you're talking about solving a problem. And now I've got ideas from uh, all walks of life. Uh, so it removes the blind spots. So you end up pushing out things that are better for society as a whole, which is a really great thing. I love that you say that, Eric. It's uh, we talk about that like theoretically kind of from our end about why boot camps are so interesting like to the tech industry as a whole because they're, you know, opening up like tech to people who have been traditionally kind of left out or excluded from it. Um, but we talk about that theoretically. And so like hearing you say that uh, on your actual team, like having diverse perspectives there is helpful to the bottom line is so huge. I love that. How do we feel about additional support for veterans? Is that necessary? Is it something that coding boot camps have a responsibility to do uh, for veterans who are going through their program? Or do you find that veterans are already ahead of the curve and don't really need additional help? Oh, that's a really good question. As far as the dedication and the ability to handle the curriculum, they are probably a bit ahead of the curve or at very least, you know, floating towards the top. Um, I think that you always need to be mindful that, you know, veterans could come from 
different aspects of the military. So I think you need to, on, on the operation side of things and on just kind of the um, personality management side of things, I think that you need to make sure that you're very open to what they need as far as communications or managing stress levels in case there are any uh, concerns there. And as long as they voice them to us, we can handle them as needed. Eric, was there anything that Turing did like specifically for you as a veteran or was it really just like you went through the program with everybody else kind of in the same, in the same way? You you know, no, no, not really. There was, we have a, there, there is a veterans channel in our, in our Slack uh, for it, but yeah. So, so I thought that was good. Um, but you know, I'm, what I, what I really appreciated about Turing and I hope other boot camps are this way is that when you, when you get there, there's a huge focus on like diversity, right? So it wasn't like, let's single out this group and talk about how special they are or not special they are or whatever. It was like, well, here you guys go. I don't care where you mm-hmm. came from. You're all in the same boat now. Um, which is really interesting because that's what happens at boot camp. Military boot camp, right? <laughs> you go in, they're like, none of you are special. Um, so it's interesting that that's like, uh, you know, there's not really any special treatment and I, I don't think there, there should be, um, you know, just like, like anything, you know, and Aaron said, you just got to be mindful of the different people and how you deal with them and, and whatnot. But as a group, uh, I think it's good. I, I was going to add one, one other thing that kind of dovetails both the, my past two thoughts and that, um, some people I think want to make a switch into tech and they'll look at, well, with the GI Bill, it shouldn't be that big a deal anymore, right? But they'll look at like the cost of a boot camp, and then they'll look at like, um, well, I could just study alone and do and do this. Uh, what I think can be tough for a veteran, and, and you know, frankly, there's a little little bit of change for me too. Is military is very there's a lot of camaraderie, right? And if you drop out of the military and you're not in a in a group that has a lot of camaraderie, uh, that can be very hard. So what's I think great for veterans specifically coming out of the military and going into boot camps is you're you're thrust into another group of people that are in this pressure cooker, which builds camaraderie. Uh, so you have your team again. It's not like you're you know floating all alone in the civilian world. So uh, you know, with that being said, I think uh, boot camps a terrific place for somebody coming out of the military because um, you don't necessarily understand you know the camaraderie you're missing until you're out. And as far as a school goes, so if you are, if the student has come in um, using their VA benefits, there are certain things that you're going to have to keep in mind um, that they may have to be treated slightly differently than the general population. Um, Things like none of the coursework can be administered online. So for us, if our standard students were to, say, miss a day, well, the pace is so quick, we would expect them to make that day up online and and to work with our team on Slack and things like that. We can't do that with someone that's coming in using VA benefits. We have to take, you know, time in person to do that. Um, We also, there's really strict guidelines around attendance. You have to have a different refund policy for them. So these aren't things that we would ever make apparent to the general population because we don't want there to be any uh, concern. You know, as Eric said, you know, you don't want to call out any one individual or group. It's, It's all about the diversity of the group as a whole. Um, But these are things that as a school, you need to keep in mind. There's extra tracking, extra logistics, um, and changes to your general kind of state accreditation processes that you're going to have to put into place. 
Uh, I have one last question for you. How would you like to see the GI Bill expand in the future? Uh, Where do you think we can kind of go from here? I think the GI Bill is a very rich benefit. And the GI Bill benefit itself doesn't need to be expanded, but I think it needs to be streamlined, both the approval process and the ease of use for veterans. I've probably about a third of the veterans that I talk to in my over a year of working on the program on a day-to-day basis don't aren't familiar with their benefits and they don't know how to use the GI Bill, what it provides, and how to access it. And so those veterans are sitting on a benefit that can be worth $200,000 over a three-year period. And if they don't know how to access and use it smartly, and if there aren't good training providers approved where they can use it, um, it's a wasted benefit. Well, thanks so much to Aaron, Eric, and Maggie, our entire panel, for joining the podcast today. I have personally learned so much about the GI Bill, and I feel like we got so many great perspectives. Uh, any final advice? I feel very lucky in that I, I wouldn't have done anything differently. Uh, I enjoyed the, the school that I went to. It was very challenging. Um, I, I was able to get a, a great first job out of Turing, which led to a great second job. So I, I wouldn't have done anything different. Um, my, my only advice, and this is not just like to military people, but to people in general who are like, I need a career change, or I, I think tech would be cool. If you want to do it, like do it do it now. Like, you know, well, it'll be better if I go in a year. Well, maybe two years. It's like, man, there is so much to learn, (laughs) so much to learn. And you don't learn it in seven months or eight months. It's like, that gives you the base. And then you've got years of discovery ahead of you to, to, you know, get to be a really great developer, a really great, you know, whatever you want to be. But I would just say, do it now. And, and with, you know, more and more boot camps accepting the GI Bill, it's like there's there's no excuse. You know, as soon as you don't owe any more of your life to the military, if you want to make the change, then you can legally get out of the military. Uh, do it and do it now. Don't don't wait because things will never be perfect. And and by the way, every month that you're waiting, there's more and more people that are going to graduating boot camps and starting their job. And you know, um, uh, it just makes competition that, that much harder. And makes the the time it'll take you to get to, you know, be a great developer uh, that much longer. Yeah. For anyone that's listening, if you're a veteran and you're not savvy with your GI Bill benefits, find out. Go to your county veteran services office, join Operation Code Slack team. There's a lot of resources to find out what that benefit is and how you can use it. If you're a code school and you're not savvy with the GI Bill, reach out. I'm more than happy to talk you through it. And it's a huge benefit and it can add value not only for the veterans, but for your school. Thank you. That is such actionable advice. I appreciate it. Uh, Finally, I want to give a couple of shout outs. We are recording this in March 2018, so I'm sure that things will change. But I want to give a shout out to the coding boot camps that have already gone through this process and already accept the GI Bill. Uh, And this list might be helpful for anyone with GI Bill benefits who's listening. Uh, I'm just going to run through this list really quickly. So we've got Skill Distillery, Galvanize, both of those are in Colorado, uh, Nashville Software School, Sabio in California, Turing School in Colorado, Code Fellows, Deep Dive Coding, Secure Set Academy, WinCode in Florida, PDX Code Guild in Portland, DevPoint Labs, 
Coding Dojo, Dev Code Camp, Cincy Code IT, Software Guild, of course, thanks Aaron, Code Platoon, General Assembly, and vSchool. And that's just as of March 2018. So to see an updated list, you can go to Course Report, obviously. We keep an, a list pretty updated. But on vets.gov, they have a comparison tool where you can put in your military status and the benefits that you want to use. And you can see which schools you're eligible for and that are eligible for you even. We'll add a link to the show notes, but that URL is www.vets.gov slash GI Bill comparison tool. Um, I found that to be very helpful. Well, this was a fantastic conversation. I am so glad that y'all could join. And for those of you who are listening, thank you for tuning in. Remember, we love feedback. So email us at hello at coursereport.com. Let us know what you'd like to hear about on the next Course Report podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving a review. See you next time.